That's what player of the year MVPs do. When the, when the game's on the line, they show up. They perform when the lights are the brightest. And he's done it time and time again. Game's on the line. He wants the ball. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Speaking to the outdoorsmen out there who like to hunt or fish or whatever, you know what the what a grand slam is? Never heard of this before. I remember when I was little, when I was watching the Outdoor Channel, back when everyone used to have cable, like the Lord intended back in the good old days. Then we watched the Outdoor Channel, and someone would pay a bunch of money to go to Jeff Foxworthy's deer ranch in Texas. They'd be like, we're going to get Grand Slam. We're going to get a whitetail deer and a mule deer and an elk all in one weekend. Holy balls. Like, you know what I mean? Like, checking off all the boxes. I know when I go out west... I like to fly fish. I like to take a trip once a year. Right, if you can catch a rainbow trout, a brown trout, a brook trout, a white fish, maybe a cutthroat, depending on what river in. If you can get them all in, in one day or in one weekend, that's that's considered a slam, right? You, you get the idea. You know what I'm talking about. We're going to go for the Wisco Sports Show Slam today. It's a brand new thing. Just invented it. I'm looking at the show rundown, checking a lot of boxes here. We're going to talk bucks. going to talk badgers. going to talk baseball. Gonna talk Packers. We're gonna have a great guest. And we're gonna talk Hall of Fame. We're gonna hit like a million different topics today. We're not killing a bunch of animals or catching a bunch of fish, but kind of the same thing. Checking a lot of boxes, topics wise, teams wise. This should be very exciting. We're gonna bounce around, hit a bunch of different things. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Welcome. Welcome. Glad you're here. Hope you've had a great day. I don't think the Bucks play tonight. They play tomorrow, their last game before the All-Star break. Badgers played last night, as did the Bucks. So tonight, we can just chill. Maybe you want to take in NBA doubleheader on ESPN. I'm sure there's some college basketball. I promised an oath at the beginning of the season that I would get more into college basketball this year. I've gotten more into it. I'm still not that into it. So maybe I'll see if there are any good college games on tonight as well. But while our teams are idle, at least for tonight and with the Bucks going into next week as well with the All-Star break. We have a chance to kind of talk about whatever. I do want to start with two basketball games last night, Badgers and Bucks. But I want to talk about Matt Stafford and this Hall of Fame thing, this debate that started. I don't really need to debate Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame, but I think it leads us into a larger conversation about how nuts we are talking about the Hall of Fame two days after a guy wins, you know, big Super Bowl or a big game. So I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about baseball. Just for a couple of minutes, I want to revisit something that David Gasper dropped on us yesterday when he joined us, our good buddy, David Gasper, from Reviewing the Brew. So that's coming up before 5 o'clock. Give me a text. Give me a call. 608-796-2558. You can tweet at me. Follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Zach Heilprin. Yep, that Zach Heilprin. You know him. You love him. Great contributor to the show, and you hear him on the updates as well once an With hour. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network yes. update, I'm Zach Heilprin. Yes, he is the voice of reason and really the adult in the room on this show. So we're going to talk Badgers basketball with him coming up at 4.30. Fun wins from both the Bucks and the Badgers last night. Crazy good performances from both Giannis and Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Christian Davis. Lacrosse Central grad, Jonathan Christian Davis. I love basketball. I think I prefer the NBA more than college basketball. But I'm not going to dump on college basketball. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm not going to hate. Basketball's great. All kinds of basketball. I think the NFL is the best league that American sports 
has. I think it's the best that American sports has to offer. Football's America's sport. But I think my favorite sport is basketball. I love how the game flows. Love the shoes. I love that you can roll up to your local YMCA and just hop in a game. You can't really do that with football. You just go find a hoop in a park, get some shots up, put a, put a hoop up in your driveway, get a mini hoop in your basement. You can always play basketball. Even if as you get older, maybe not as hard. You're going to blow out a knee or something. But unlike football, you can always play basketball. It can be part of your workout. It can be part of your leisure in the morning before work if you want it to be. I also love the way in which we can talk about different players and their game. Every player is unique. They all have different skill sets, different personalities, different quirks, right? Basketball players are like snowflakes, right? No, no, no player's game is exactly the same as, as another. Wholesome analogy, right? <laughs> Every player is different. And I think some basketball analysts, a lot of basketball analysts really miss this point. This really goes over a lot of basketball analysts' heads. The best example is the Kevin Durant-Giannis debate. And if you watch enough NBA coverage on TV or you listen to sports radio and they talk about the NBA, I think you would agree with me that about 95% of basketball analysts believe that the league's best player right now is either Giannis or Kevin Durant. Fair, right? You get some Jokic truthers or Steph guys, but I'd say 95% somewhere in that ballpark say either Giannis is the best player on earth or Durant is the best player on earth. I have zero issue with anyone saying Durant is better than Giannis. Certainly have no issue with people saying Giannis is the best player on earth. He plays for my team. I'll, I'll take it. Absolutely. Some of the arguments I hear are dumb and reductive. They miss the point. They miss what makes basketball great. When people argue why Kevin Durant is better than Giannis, a lot of times they miss the point and they, they miss out on what makes basketball fun. Or you hear people say, well, Giannis is great, but Durant can get a shot from anywhere. You know, Durant has a bag. You know, Durant's jumper is pure. Basically, they're saying Durant's game is prettier, which is not untrue. That's not false. But Giannis right now is leading the NBA in scoring, just under 29 and a half points per game, and he's 54th in minutes. He's playing in 32.6 minutes a game. Instead of talking about what Giannis can't do and what parts of his game aren't pretty, let's talk about what he can do, right? Every basketball player is unique, unique body, unique frame, unique personality, unique skills and, and strengths and weaknesses. That's great. That's awesome. That's like playing a video game where you have a bunch of different characters you can play as and they all have different skills. Like if you've ever played Super Smash Bros, it's super fun. Game after game after game to play as somebody else. Ooh, this guy's got a big you know, right hook. This guy's really good at grabbing. This guy's got a great finisher move. It, it's fun. That's what basketball is. That's why I love basketball. And when we say that, well, Kevin Durant, he's just got a better jumper than Giannis. Well, that's reductive, right? Now we're missing out on what makes basketball great. And in a world with thousands of basketball players, all different, I think as Bucks and Badgers fans, we currently have two players that check just about every box you could ask for. If you were to get in a lab and create the superstar player that you'd want to lead the Bucks, or create the superstar player that you'd want to lead the Badgers, I don't know that you could do much better than Giannis, and I don't think you could do much better than Johnny Davis, Jonathan Davis. Last night was an amazing example of how lucky we are. Two special, two very unique players. Giannis scored 50 on 17 of 21 shooting, which is just stupid. Two of three from three, 14 of 18 from the line. Oh, yeah, by the way, just a quick, easy 14 rebounds, too, because why not? Johnny Davis had 30 on 10 of 15 shooting, 10 of 14 from the line. Oh, also, yeah, let's just grab a quick 12 rebounds, too, while we're at it, just for fun, just for, for a treat. These two players are everything that we could ask for and more.
Let's start with Giannis. Giannis is one in a million, one in 10 million, one in 20 million, just for making the NBA, right? When we talk about college athletics, we say only 1% of high school athletes go on to play in college, and then only 1% of those athletes go on to play at the pros. So I I don't know mathematically how it works. I don't know if Giannis is one in a million, one in 10 million. I, I don't know. But even amongst his peers in the NBA, he's one in a million. He's unlike any player that I've ever watched in a league filled with players that are unlike anything or anybody I've ever watched. He stands out. Remember what we talked about last summer when they were beating Atlanta and they were taking a lead and taking over the series against Phoenix? I talked about at length how his upbringing forged his personality as a player. You know, we hear stories of how he grew up poor in Greece and he had to sell things on the streets and they were moving from apartment to apartment and they never had any food. And and that's, that's his personal story. That's the story of Giannis. And maybe you get tired of hearing it. I don't because he plays for my team. But some people might get tired of hearing that because they're like, okay, but what does that have to do with basketball? That has everything to do with basketball because his upbringing forged his personality as a player. That block on DeAndre Ayton in game five or in game six when he hit 17 of 19 free throws in game six, those are Giannis things. Giannis grew up where his biggest concern wasn't how many likes he got on social media or what Stephen A. Smith was saying on TV. He grew up and his biggest issue was getting food for the day or figuring out if he was going to have a place to sleep, right? Whereas players that grew up affluent, or privileged in America. They grew up with social media, grew up with the debate shows of Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. So American players like Ben Simmons, who's a great example of this. When Ben Simmons was playing the last two years, he was playing as though he didn't want to make a mistake. He was playing to be invisible because he didn't want to be criticized. He didn't want to stand out. Giannis doesn't care. Are you kidding me? Giannis used to be homeless. Giannis would go days without eating. You think he cares if someone makes fun of him on Twitter because he gets dunked on? No, he's going to try to block a shot. And that's how you get an all-time block in the biggest moment on DeAndre Ayton. You think Giannis cares if he misses a bunch of free throws? No. He's gone through way worse things in his life. So he's going to keep going to the line, and eventually he's going to figure it out. And he hit 17 of 19 free throws in the biggest games of his life. Giannis is different, and his personality plays into that. He also gets a little bit better every time I watch him. I was watching highlights last night's game. Bucks beat the Pacers 128-119. And every play, I'm like, whoa. Which, it's it's. Great to watch the game start to finish. But I recommend after you watch a game, give it a little time and then go back and watch the highlights of Giannis or Jonathan Davis or Aaron Rodgers because sometimes it's nice to see all of their plays back to back to back to back to back because you can compare. Well, there's a layup, right? There's a there's a, there's a mid-range jumper. There's a three-point shot. There's a fadeaway. There's a finger roll. And it's nice to see them back to back to back because you really gain an appreciation of every skill that Giannis is working on and every little thing he's worked so hard to improve in a relatively short time playing basketball. I mean, he didn't start playing basketball until a teenager. He really hasn't been in the league that long, and he finds a way to get better here and there at the little things from week to week, game to game, and certainly season to season. I don't know how you could ask for a more perfect player than Giannis Antetokounmpo. We saw that last night. What about Johnny Davis? What blows me away? They won an assembly hall last night against an Indiana team that had lost three straight. They're trending in the wrong direction. Indiana needed that game last night. That was a must-win game for Indiana. And the Bucks or excuse me, the Badgers, like the Bucks, go in and just win. It's not a surprising road win last night. I said this last week when the Badgers won at Michigan State, and I said it a couple weeks ago when they won at Purdue, and they have neutral site wins against Houston and St. Mary's from early on in the year, and they almost beat Providence, but they didn't have Johnny Davis. Last night wasn't a surprising win. 
I, I watched the end of that game and I thought, wow, what an impressive win. Well, all right, time to go to bed. Ho-hum for this Badgers team because they keep doing it. They keep going on the road against tough Big Ten competition and winning gritty games. You're not supposed to win at Purdue and at Michigan State in the same season. The Badgers haven't done that since the 60s when the Breslin Center and the Mackey Center didn't even exist. Mackey Arena, Mackey Center, whatever, doesn't matter. Badgers won there. But this team does. They're just wired a little bit differently, and that starts with Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis, as a basketball player, is athletic. He's talented. He's skilled. He's got long arms. He is built the way you would want a professional basketball player to be built, in a way that Zach Showalter wasn't or Brad Davison isn't, right? That doesn't mean that those guys aren't good basketball players, but they're not blessed with the gifts that Johnny Davis was blessed with. And you can't dispute that he's a great basketball player on talent alone and physical gifts alone and hard work because you don't get that body and that frame and that skill set without hard work. But Johnny Davis's focus on the brand of basketball and his brand of basketball and how he's built his brand of basketball is the most important part. And his brand of basketball has spread to the rest of the team, right? You watch Johnny Davis play. He gets every loose ball. Every single one he corrals late in the game when the Badgers are leading by two points and the opposing team misses a shot and the Badgers got to lock it down and get the rebound. Oh, there's Johnny Davis. Where'd he come from? I don't know. But he just showed up. He just showed up. And that's an effort thing. Yes, but that's also something that's practiced and honed and worked on. Another thing I love about Johnny Davis that goes past his natural ability. He moves when he doesn't have the ball. When he's not dribbling with the ball, when Hepburn has the ball on the perimeter or Brad Davison, he's cutting, he's moving, he's working, and he's not just standing in the corner waiting for his turn. Not all superstar basketball players do that. Even the NBA, Harden stands around, Westbrook stands around. Johnny Davis doesn't stand around. Johnny Davis defends. And again, being good at defense is a little bit dependent on your physical size and your physical skill. Like, I'm 6'2". I'm not defending someone who's seven feet tall. It doesn't matter how much I practice or how many weights I lift. Like, it's just not happening. Johnny Davis, yes, has the frame and the length and the quickness to defend most positions as long as it's not Kofi Coburn or that one mutant guy they have at Purdue. They have one every year, so I can't remember his name. It's not Isaac Hawes. It's, it's, the, it's the new one. <laughs> it looks like a Rocky villain. As long as Johnny Davis doesn't have to defend that guy, he can defend anyone. And yes, you have to be a certain size and you have to, you have, to have gifts, physical gifts to do that, but that's also a skill that's honed over two years in college. I think a lot of NBA prospects would benefit from a second year in college, if nothing else, to work on their defense, their footwork, their strength, their positioning. Johnny Davis has worked on that. You can see it. Finally, one of the the latest pieces of the puzzle that Johnny Davis has added to his game, and this is something that helps the rest of the team, again, helps winning, shot selection. Johnny Davis came into this year as a relative unknown, and he was running and smashing and dunking and shooting his way through defenses. And then about halfway through the year, teams realized, okay, well, if we stop that guy, we can probably win. And then his shooting struggled. He struggled with shot selection and efficiency. Last three games, 22 points per game on 68% shooting. Johnny Davis isn't trying to score 30 on 40% shooting. He's trying to score 22 to 25 on 60, 65% shooting. Yeah, the scoring's dropped off a little bit, but the extra possessions, fewer bad shots, and extra opportunities for Tyler Wall, who's been so good the last couple weeks, and Chucky Hepburn, who gets better every time I watch him. It's not just the physical gifts that Johnny Davis has. It's how he's honed and designed his brand of basketball to contribute to winning basketball and also 
contribute to uplifting as much as he can everyone else on this Badgers roster, which is why we think highly of Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn in a way that we didn't two months ago. Because when Johnny Davis plays well and his game improves, everyone else on the team improves along with him. Let's take a break. I actually want to talk about Chucky Hepburn coming up next, and then we'll get to Zach Heilprin at 430. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley broke up today. Should I have led the show with that? I forgot about that. Saw the headline this afternoon. Had a couple coworkers bring it up to me. One Vikings fan. Uh, and we were trying to do like a character referendum on Aaron Rodgers. And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, wait, doesn't everybody like date and break up at least a couple times typically before they get married? Like, I don't I don't know that this is that big of a thing. I've criticized Aaron Rodgers more than anyone the last couple weeks. And all right, him and Shailene Woodley are done. Probably wasn't a good fit. That happens. Dating. This has been Relationship Talk, uh, a Wisco Sports Show production. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Zach Heilprin's going to be here to help us talk Badgers in about 10 or 15 minutes. Started the show with a rant about Giannis, a rant about Johnny Davis, and how lucky we are. If you were to get in a lab and build a player to lead the Bucks, personality-wise, skill-wise, disposition-wise, it would be Giannis. You'd get, you'd get Giannis. That's what you would want. And for the Badgers, if you could create a player that you knew was going to play this year and then probably go to the NBA, and you needed to come up with his personality and his size and his strength and his disposition and the way he he puts together his game. It'd be Johnny Davis. It'd be Johnny Davis. We are so lucky with these two guys. And last night was a great example. Johnny Davis had 30, 10 of 15 shooting. Giannis had 50 on 17 of 21 shooting. Fun night. Really fun night to watch basketball. I want to play you this one cut from Greg Gard about winning on the road, winning close games, things that the Badgers just keep doing over and over and over again. And it's getting to the point where the Badgers can have a huge win on the road. Like they had at assembly hall last night. And I get on the show the next day. It's like, yeah, that was fun because it's not surprising anymore. Like the Badgers have been so good in these games that it's difficult to even celebrate and talk about them because they're com- they're becoming so routine. Here's Greg Gard talking about success in close games. You're going to be in tight games. You're, I mean, this league by and large, the games are going to be like that. You're going to have, you know, a, a tight possession game. There's going to be very few where you're going to be able to cruise to the, the cruising to the finish line. Finished up in our non-conference in December. Now it's you know for these three months, it's uh you know it's a it's a battle every night. I do sympathize with Greg Gard here because the computer simulations and the computer models. I shouldn't say simulations, but the models and the algorithms. I sound like such a, a non-technical, non-mathematical dope. But like the Ken Palm rankings, right? It's a program. It's a model that ranks teams based on all these variables. They're a little harsh with the Badgers because they have had a lot of close games. And the game against Nichols State or Nichols and Illinois State or whatever, remember those two games in in mid-December that were close? Yeah, I got nothing to say about those other than Johnny Davis didn't play in one of them. But the close games in the Big Ten? If I'm Greg Gard and I'm asked, well, you're winning a lot of these Big Ten games, but they're close. I'd be like, well, what the hell do you want? They're Big Ten games. The Big Ten's really good. Big Ten is a really good college basketball conference. You go on the road and win an assembly hall. Oh, win by more than six points. Sorry, we won by five, four. 
Sorry we skated by Michigan State at the Breslin Center. I'm sorry. Penalize us in the rankings, I guess. I think that's a great point by Greg Gard, and it's an obvious one, and yet it's one that I really hadn't thought about. Yeah, sorry we're playing close games. These teams that we're playing against, yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> they get paid, too. Well, I guess, I guess they don't, but that's a, it's a different conversation. The Badgers have been successful in close games because, for the most part, they hit their free throws. They have Brad Davison and Johnny Davis who relish chances with the ball in tight games in the final minute, in the clutch, right? And I think another player who's becoming more and more instrumental to success in close games and games on the road is Chucky Hepburn. And I know he only had eight points last night. I have that correct, right? I want to double-check that. Pull up the box score here. Chucky Hepburn had eight points, four of eight shooting, three rebounds, three assists. It's not a gaudy stat line. But Chucky Hepburn is becoming better and better every time I watch him, and he's becoming more and more important to this team. Freshmen never start at point guard for Wisconsin. And Zach Heilprin can probably speak to that a little bit better. He'll join us in a few minutes. But I think there's Devin Harris. There's probably some guy from the 60s. Bronson Koenig started as a freshman, but I don't know if he was a red shirt freshman or if he was a true freshman. And he was coming in in relief of Trayvon Jackson, right? That was never the team's idea for Koenig is to be the starter be the starting point guard and run the show. True freshmen never start at point guard for Wisconsin. And I don't know that you can appreciate Chucky Hepburn unless you watch the games carefully and you focus on him. And you can look at the box score and see Johnny Davis's production, or you can see that Brad Davis had a good shooting night. But Chucky's impact, at least right now for this team, you got to look a little bit more closely. And you don't have to be a basketball expert. Like, I don't break down film. I'm not a coach. I don't know what I'm looking for. But I can watch Chucky Hepburn and go, oh, okay, yeah, yep, mm-hmm, yep, I know why they recruited him. I know why he's starting as a freshman. He's sticky on defense. It's unreal. He could be guarding someone at the top of the key face up, hand in the face, you know, triple threat stance. Well, that's the offense, but, you know, defensive stance. And the offensive player does a jab step or does a crossover dribble or does a cut. Chucky Hepburn will bounce back with the move and come back so quickly. It's like one of those those punching bags that are on a spring and you punch it and it comes right back at you. That's Chucky Hepburn. He's like a rubber band. You put one move on him and he's back before the offensive player has a chance to think he can hit tough shots late in the game. And we saw that yesterday. And most importantly, you can trust him with the ball in big games in big moments. He played 30 minutes at Michigan state. He played 30, uh, 38 minutes last night at assembly hall, zero turnovers combined from those two games. I don't need analysis. Just that that's it. That's the take. That's the segment. 30 minutes at Michigan State, 38 minutes at Assembly Hall, zero turnovers. Zero. Point guard, you don't need to score gaudy numbers to be important and to help your team win. Luckily, the Badgers have Jonathan Davis. They have Brad Davison, who last night was hitting his shots. It makes a big difference. And I think Tyler Wall is capable of putting up numbers too. Chucky Hepburn doesn't have to have a lot of volume. He doesn't have to score a ton. Point guard, even if they're not the team's best player, control so many factors of the game. Chris Paul's a great example. Chris Paul is going to get uh, he's going to get all pro nods. He might not be first or second team all pro, but he's going to get consideration because look at how he's impacting the Suns. The Suns are better this year, better than they've ever been, despite losing in the NBA Finals last year. You know how hard that is to do to lose in the final game, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals, and then to come back the next year and still be great and be even better, 
It would be easy to say, well, you, you just, you, you know, you're close. So you, yeah, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Especially with the Suns having a bunch of young guys. That doesn't just happen. And Chris Paul is in control of everything. He knows when he needs to get DeAndre Ayton involved. He knows when Mikhail Bridges is hot, how to set him up. He knows when he has to take the shot. He knows how to feed Devin Booker. It's like a working mom, right? Oh, God, this analogy again. Yep, I know. I'm going back to the well. Working mom, got to know her work schedule. Got to keep all of her appointments set up. Got to commute. Got to get the coffee. Got to get the the nice work clothes ready. But also, okay, I got to know when Johnny's got a piano recital. I got to know when... The daughter's got soccer practice. I got to know, oh, the dog's running low on food. I got to stop by on the way home, get dog food. Oh, I need to have dinner ready. I got to do this, that. It's like an octopus with eight arms. And you have to be constantly paying attention to everything around you, knowing when this facet of the game needs attention, knowing when you can kind of forget about this side. Point guard's like an octopus with a supercomputer for brain. And Chucky Hepburn's just calm, cool, and collected, handling it all so well. Helps that he doesn't have to score a ton. But, man, the way he's handling all of this as a freshman and never turning the ball over, really impressive. And I want to talk about that and a bunch of other Badgers topics with Zach Heilprin. He'll join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. A lot of different topics in the second half of the show. I want to do a little bit on baseball. The Stafford Hall of Fame thing isn't something that I'm passionate about, but I think it's very interesting. So I want to talk about it. Still a lot to say about the Bucks and Giannis last night and a lot to say about the Badgers as well, which is why it's a perfect day to speak with Zach Heilprin uh, from the zone in Madison. You hear him on the updates. Uh, Zach, we were just talking a little bit off the air, and I know Ebo talked about this on his show on the zone in Madison, our affiliate there. Uh, I was big-timed by Ben Kenny, which is fine. I know that you would never big-time me because you would never agree to meet up with me in the first place, only then to not show up, which is why I appreciate you. <laughs> That's accurate. That, that is accurate. I would never I would never commit to something and then back out. I, I, I would just, never do that. Yeah, I don't know if you'd com- I w- commit I to anything just, in general. I, I would just, yes, I would just not commit to anything. That's that's the point. I would never yeah. commit and then back out. Just you can't You can't let anybody down if you don't commit in the first place. So, yeah. But that, that, that's, that, that's not surprising from Ben. That's that's not a huge surprise from Ben. Kind of kind of flaky yeah. when it comes to when it comes to that type of stuff, especially when it comes after a Badgers loss. Yeah, look, I didn't let it ruin my day. I know half of the fan base wanted Greg Gard fired as always. Like they lose one out of every ten oh, games, and yeah, and we we want him fired every time. But no, that's fine. I'll, I'll catch up with Ben sometime soon. So, uh, Zach, it was reported today that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley are done. Team, actually, hold on. This is my. I have another guest coming up in the second half. This is wrong note sheet. Um, let's start with Johnny Davis. I, I love what I'm seeing. I love what I'm seeing from him because he's he's figuring it out. He's realizing take fewer shots, be smarter about the shots, and he's adjusting as the season goes along. And last night we saw it. This is great. This is cool. He's taking that next step. Hitting some shots, man. I mean, that's that's what it is. I think it's, I think it's fair to say that he was not great offensively for about a month in terms of just being efficient and hitting hitting shots that he hit earlier. Last three games, close to 68% shooting and averaging 22 points a game, and he's close to nine rebounds per game. In Big Ten play, he's the second leading rebounder in the conference. Only yeah. Kofi Coburn is, is, is uh, with more rebounds than him. So, But yesterday is the great thing about having a guy like that. It's when maybe you uh, you're fighting – and you just can't get over the hump, you're able to turn to a guy that is an All-American, Player of the Year type, and he put on that exact type of performance. I mean, scoring the last 13 points of the game, it's exactly what they needed in that moment. 
he was uh, he was a killer. Um, and I don't know if I need to explain that like ESPN apparently needed to when they said he's an assassin, but without the murder, I it, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a little, little yeah, PC culture, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, he was he was fantastic and exactly what he needed to be in exactly the right moment. So Johnny's great, and he's carried this team at times. I think if they want to win some games in the tournament, I'm not someone who's now shifting my expectations to Elite Eight, Final Four, but I, man, I'd like to see this team make the Sweet 16. Now, maybe Johnny can win them a game or two on his own, but I think more likely is he's going to have to get a little from Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn, Brad Davison. When you watch him take fewer shots and be a little bit smarter, do you notice a difference in how that makes life easier for Wall and Hepburn and Davison? How does that help the rest of the team? I think him making shots and him being like, here's the thing, whether he's making shots or not, okay. teams are guarding him the same way. Sure. So, cause they, they know that at any point he can go off. So they're going to guard him the same way. And I think Wisconsin, as the season goes on, gets more and more familiar with exactly how teams are wanting to guard him. And I think that maybe they're finding um, some ways to score with that. But I, to me, it comes down to other guys making shots. It's okay. as simple as that. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Johnny's going to draw people, and it's going to be up to him to to find those guys, and it's up to them to knock shots down. For the large part of the last, I don't know, four or five games, especially Brad Davison, hasn't been getting it done. Uh, Brad hit enough last night. But yeah. these other guys, what Johnny does and what Johnny draws is what helps all these other guys. Okay, and then it's up to them to actually convert. Like, Johnny yeah. can't do everything for everyone. Greg Gard can't do exactly. everything for everyone. I, I, I see what you're saying. That's a great point. Zach Heilprin, you hear him on The Zone on the updates. Go to madcitysportszone.com. You can read his write-up on all these games. Also, new episode of The Swing dropped today with Jesse Temple. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I, Now, I listened to it this morning, and I was kind of in and out. So now I'm going to – I don't know if you talked about this. And now I'm gonna, it was my favorite pod, but maybe I missed this today. I don't know if you guys talked about Hepburn or not. He gets better every time I watch him, doesn't he? Like, he's a better version today than he was two weeks ago, two months ago. I, I know a couple weeks ago, Zach, we talked about what a, a more mature, like a junior year version of Hepburn would look like with Davis. Well, he's getting better, and these two work so well together, and Hepburn has played so much better than you'd typically see a freshman play. I'm sorry, I didn't. I completely lost track of that question. No, um, no, you're fine. Hepburn, he he gets better every time I watch him. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, no, he definitely does. The thing is, I mean, he's, he's the, the last two road games. He's played. I mean, he played close to 38 minutes last night, and then the road game before that at Michigan State was was up in the high 30s as well. And he hasn't turned the ball over in either one of those. Mm-hmm. I think that is continues to be among his best traits as a point guard when you have the ball in your hands as much as he does to not turn the ball over and he had some key buckets had an and one uh in the second half i uh i think he's going to be he's going to go down as one of the better players that's ever been here really uh he doesn't he doesn't need to be like a big time scorer but i think he can be and i think he will be he doesn't need to be that this year and we've already seen him how good defensively he is so i think he's a he's a two-way point guard that as his career goes on, he's going to be asked to score more, and he will, and he'll still play at a high level defensively. And I mean, I, I do. I think he, among guards, he's going to be here for four years. That's the thing. Like, he's not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he'll be looked at as one of the better ones to play here. 
that's super exciting. I, I love watching him. He he gets a little bit better at this and that every week. You can trust him in late game spots. Now, again, another road win last night, another close win. Davison and Hepburn are great from the free throw line. Johnny was great last night. That obviously helps. You have guys that you can trust late. But I don't, I mean, do you notice things in press conferences when you interact with players? Or I don't know, you see him in, in practice or you see him in a huddle. Like, what do you notice from this team that's maybe different from previous teams? Because we've seen Badgers teams that were close all year and could never get the big win. This team has a knack for it. Is it a personality thing? Is it this combination of guys together? What do you notice that maybe we don't just watching games on TV? Yeah, I think I think it's kind of – I always find the we're really close, we're, all, we're a really tight okay. group, you know. I always find that interesting because like, it happens when you win, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, the same team that won a Big Ten title in 2020, they were tight. It was a tight group, and yeah. they fought together, brought together by all those things that, that went on that year. They won eight straight ten this season. All of them except for Brett and Pritzel back the following year. And it led to a, you know, that's so great. <laughs> the the recording that came out. So I mean, like, I always, I, it's always easier to say those things when they win, and and I don't doubt that. Like, I think it's probably a close team, but I also think it has a lot to do with the personality of leaders, and they have two guys that want to win at all costs: Johnny Davis and Brad Davison, and they go about it slightly different ways. Brad's probably slightly a little bit more emotional than Johnny is, though. I think we've seen Johnny's personality certainly come out after last year. I mean, last year you could, I mean, he smiled like twice the entire year and you like didn't know exactly how he was feeling on a day on a play to play basis. Now, you know exactly what's going on in his mind and you know exactly the type of player he is. And I think they, those two are, uh, you know, rub off on the rest of those guys. And, um, you know, it was even like, like, you know, after uh, the uh, flagger foul last night where Brad, it was, that was a BS call. It was, but, you know, the guy starts walking at Brad and all of a sudden you get Stephen Crowell's big arm tossing him out of the way. Like, it was, like, those are the, I love to see those type of things. That, that That's the type of stuff that I think uh, matters more so than them saying, more than words, right? Yeah. Like, it's actions. And these and these guys, 12-1 and one in games decided by six or fewer points, a lot of that is the bounces going the right way, but all, also a lot of it is these guys being really good when their backs are up against the wall and they need to make plays. And that's what made Rucker so, like, that doesn't make any sense. That's yeah. not who they've done all year. But they came back and bounced back, and we got to see it last night. I like the point that you made about the different leadership styles from Davis and from Davison. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to pay more attention to that. I find that interesting. I, I have another Badgers question for you, Zach, and then I'll let you go. I, and maybe it's not a question. It's just something I've been thinking about, and, and maybe you have something to add. So two huge road wins the last two weeks – or the last week, I guess, Michigan State last week and Indiana yesterday. I think it's huge, and I think it speaks volumes that Michigan State needed that game last Tuesday. Like, that was a very – that's a game where you see Tom Izzo and that team come out and clobber the, the opposition because they came off mm-hmm. that 20-point loss to Rutgers, and the Badgers – yep. it didn't phase them. And then last night, Indiana needed that game. They lost three straight. They had that weird suspension thing, and they're trending the exact wrong way. And Wisconsin rolls in and win anyways – and every time we bring up the Badgers and they get one of these road wins, Zach, I keep telling my listeners, it's like, this isn't surprising anymore. I know they went into the Breslin Center and won. That seems normal. They went to Assembly Hall last night and they won. That seems normal. That's just how this team is. And I, that just blows me away. The, those last two games in particular. Yeah, winning in, winning in Bloomington is, has become normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's just, I mean, they've, they've got 10 wins at Assembly Hall since 2001, which is just insane considering they had two there in the first 30 years the building was around. 
That's become normal. Resident centers, you it may seem normal for this team, but that's still the Breslin Center. Mm-hmm. And that's still Michigan State, and that's still Tom Izzo, and they've had so little success there that I think a win there is just uh, insane. But their ability to go and win in road environments, they're seven and two away from home. They're seven and two on the road, ten and two away from home. They have uh, nine quad one wins. Like they, and, and a lot of those have come away from the Cole Center. Um, at least, at least five of them have come away from the Cole Center. So, I look at those and just be like, I, I don't. I've never, I've never seen this from a Badger team before. They have a different mentality um, than, than past Badger teams. They just don't care. And yeah. while you say in, you know, Indiana needed that win, so did Wisconsin. Sure, sure. Because they say they, I mean, they lose to Rutgers. They lose that game. They got a tough Michigan game coming up. They go up to Minnesota and have to go to Rutgers. Like. Those are uh, none of these are guineas, and so for them to come out and trail the way they did yesterday, and for them to fight back and win that game was just huge. Uh, it was two desperate teams, and the and Wisconsin has proven throughout the year that uh, we leave them in the fight, they're going to somehow find a way to win, and they did last night. And I, their ability to win the road, Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana. I went back and looked at the record for this record books this morning. I don't think they've won in those three places in the same year. At least I, I went back as far as 1930. I can't find Like it just doesn't happen yeah. for this, for Wisconsin. So remarkable, remarkable what they've done. It's a gritty team. You used that word in your write up last night. I've seen you tweeting that at Zach Heilprint. You know what word I've used? I, this team's slightly delusional in a good way. Like they're not as good as they're <laughs> playing like, but they don't care. Like they just ignore that. They're, they're delusional in the best way. And that's what I, I first thought of that after the Marquette game. And that's a really fun trait to this team. I really like that. It's fun. Delusional. I, uh, it sounds negative. I don't know about that. But it's not. It it's not negative. It's yeah. a great thing. They think they're probably a lot better than they are, and they play like it. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, Zach, this what? is – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I'm sorry. You need to get out. It's, uh, it, no, it's just, fine. Delusional doesn't sound great. It just it's, it's, it doesn't sound great. It's not a great describer, I don't think, <laughs> um, because Johnny Davis is really freaking good. Oh yeah, and uh, he knows he's really good. And when he plays at the level he does, and they get Tyler Wall and, and Brad Davis to play the way they are, they can beat anybody in the country. So whether that's I don't know, I don't think that's delusional. I think that's just a really good team. I like that. Okay, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, before I let you go, and I don't have to take a break. Mike Clemens normally takes me till 55, and I'm sitting here sweating, hoping that I'm gonna get out on time. I have a I have a, a production question for you. So I'm, I'm bringing back a segment tonight. We used to do this thing every Wednesday at 530 called Slow News Wednesday, especially like not during football season. We're like find an article or a, something and we just talk about it. Like I'd save some quotes or something. Um, and I did yeah. some imagery for it, some imaging, but I don't have a voice guy. And the guy I was going to ask in the building today, he wasn't here. And I thought there's no like more reputable credentialed sounding voice than your voice. Like, could you cut me? While I have you, could you cut me a line? Could you say a line for me? You can say no. It's fine. I I will do what I, I'm. I'm here to serve, Grant. <laughs> I, I te- we are teammates. We are teammates, and I will serve however you need. This is the. This is. So what do you need? What? Well, I guess I should probably ask you. What do you need said here before so, I go ahead and commit to it? Yeah. So first of all, this is the kindest thing you've ever said to me. the The segment is called Slow News Wednesday. So I want someone in a reporter voice to say, "This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show." That's it. That's all. That's all I need. Say it however you want, or if you want to tweak that. But that, it's very simple. It's very quick. Well, this is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. That's what. That's what Juan said. <laughs> yeah, and I'm recording, and I might just save that version and use that because that was really funny. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I need. 
Um, this is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Yes, that's fantastic. I'm going to go edit that in. I'm going to make it nice. And I know you never miss that a moment was, of the show, so you'll hear it at 530. And that was that was reporter voice. I mean, I, you know, that was, was over-the-top reporter voice. That was great. Yes. For so, the Wisconsin yeah, Sports Zone Network, this has been an interview with Zach Harbin. Zach, I appreciate this. This is fun. <laughs> this is a fun team to talk about, and I appreciate you coming on. All right, great. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, talk to you soon. That's Zach Heilprin. Find him on Twitter, at Zach Heilprin. It's very simple. Read his work, madcitysportszone.com. Just dropped an episode of The Swing with Jesse Temple of The Athletic talking about last night's win and a little bit about Saturday's game, if such a thing interests you. You check it out. I listened this morning. It was great. Let's take a break. We'll decompress, talk more about what we just discussed with Zach. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. We're talking a lot of hoops. And after this next break, we're going to reset the show. Guess what? We're going to talk more about the Bucks and the Badgers. So basketball isn't your thing. <sighs> Sorry. We had two amazing games last night. Both Jonathan Davis and Giannis were outstanding, so we're going to talk about him. We just talked with Zach Heilprin. Find his work at madcitysportszone.com. I was really hoping. I'm not going to lie. I live for approval. Always. Why do you think I do this job? Why do you think I found a microphone to talk to as many people as possible? I live for approval. I was really hoping Zach would like my word that I've used to describe the Badgers this year. And I've used the word delusional. And that sounds like a bad thing. It's not. It means they think they're way better than they are and they play like it. But Zach pushed back on that a little bit. He's like, well, man, they're good. Johnny Davis is really good. So it's, it's not delusion. It's, it's, not, it's not luck. It's they're a good team. Okay. I, I hear where Zach's coming from. The word that he's been using and the word that he used in his write-up last night is grit. Grit. This is a gritty team. Uh, and I'm going to read for you the excerpt from his write-up. It's called The Last Word. It's at MadCitySportsZone.com. <clears throat> if you were to look back at the recaps we've done for games this year, the use of the word grit would likely be featured prominently. But that does not make the guts and fight this Wisconsin team has any less impressive, or this Wisconsin team has any less impressive. I apologize. Badgers have shown all year long, and it was on display again Tuesday night. Down 54-47 to a desperate team fighting for its NCAA tournament life. And with Assembly Hall rocking, Wisconsin answered with a 27-15 run to finish the game off. Zach's better with words than I am. That sucks. I'll give that, I'll give that up to him. Greg Gard talked about being close games, being back at Assembly Hall. He talked about a lot of things last night. But one of the questions that he answered was about his team's grit. Here's Gard's answer. This group is a tough-minded group. They're, they're very connected. They, they'll battle in the fight. And I think that's, you know, they kept coming to the huddle the last seven, eight, nine minutes and said we're not going to lose. So they have that mindset to them. And, uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Something that Zach mentioned that I hadn't thought about, which is fantastic, but I kind of wish I would have thought about it too. Differing leadership styles on this team. If I say 2021-2022 Badgers, leaders, who's coming to mind? You think, well, Brad Davison, he's been there forever. How could you not think of Brad Davison? And then you think of their best player, Johnny Davis. Could not be more different in the way that they lead. Brad Davison is the loudest person in the building at any game, not just on the floor or on the bench or in the stands. He's the loudest person in the building. He's the loudest one there. Zach says you can always hear him yelling. And if you watch TV too, you hear him always pumping his arms, yelling, even when it's not 
him making plays. Johnny Davis had that and one down the stretch last night. And Brad Davidson's just screaming into the ether. Very vocal, in your face, loud and about it. Jonathan Davis is a leader as well. More quiet, more reserved. And I think kind of like Aaron Rodgers, he leads by example. So as long as he's hitting shots and playing well and making huge plays, and that's basically all the time, at least this season, he's going to be a leader and people are going to follow him because of how good he is. Now, the problem with Aaron Rodgers is when he has a bad game, I think that leadership falls away a little bit. And with the Badgers, if Johnny Davis has a bad game, not only does he find ways to be impactful, rebounding, defense, you know, all of those things, but then Brad Davison is there. Brad Davison is the guy who yells when Johnny Davis isn't playing well and his leadership kind of fades away. I don't know that the Packers have a guy like that. I don't know if they have that secondary leader when things stop going so well and the team's in a bad spot that shakes up the status quo a little bit. Because Johnny Davis is probably going to be quiet. He's probably going to be focused. He's going to be intense. Similar to Aaron Rodgers. Not identical, but similar. I think Johnny Davis is more intense than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is cool. Johnny Davis is intense. But the leadership that these two exude, I think, behaves similarly. If Rodgers is dealing and playing well, oh, we're all in awe. Oh, my God, I'd do anything for that guy. But if he starts playing poorly, uh, starts to go away a little bit. That effect starts to wane. But the Badgers then have Brad Davison to step up to the plate and say, hey, listen here, I've played here for nine years. I've seen some things, okay? And he's going to start yelling. Listen to me, follow me, play with me. And I think it's important to have more than one leader, especially if you can have differing leadership styles and they do between Davison and Brad John, D- Johnny Davis I keep getting their last names mixed up I apologize we're gonna get an update from Zach Eilprin come back talk more about the Bucks and Giannis going for 50 last night talk more about the Badgers and then I want to talk some baseball and I want to talk NFL as well a lot to get to Games on the line, they show up, they perform when the lights are the brightest, and he's done it time and time again. Games on the line, he wants the ball. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Mm. That first half of the show, baby, that was perfect. That was perfection. Excellent. Zach, 10 out of 10 as always. The Badgers takes, 10 out of 10. The Chucky Hepburn following. I can't get enough of watching this guy and looking how he gets a little bit better every game and how he plays like a 45-year-old. And I mean that in a good way. Maybe 45 is too old. He plays like a 50-year senior. He plays like a Zach Showalter. But he's a true freshman, right? It's been a great show so far. Now, we have a couple more things to say about the Badgers and the Bucks, But in a little bit, I do want to talk about baseball just a little. I want to revisit something that David Gasper said yesterday, something that stuck with me last night and into today. And then return of a fan favorite segment. Fan favorite. This is used to pop off. People would love it. Uh, and for whatever reason, we, we did away with it. It's called Slow News Wednesday, where it's, I mean, it's very simple. It's just I pick an article from a newspaper and we talk about it. <laughs> it's really, it's all in the name. It's a very basic segment. Uh, it's basically the name. Slow News Wednesday, we're going to do that at 5.30. This is the Wisco Sports Show. 
My name is Grant Bills. I'm glad you're here because considering the circumstances, we have some pretty fun topics, right? Football season just ended. The Packers lost in disappointing fashion in the divisional round. We're in the slog of the regular season of the NBA, much of the same in college basketball. And yet we have a huge win by the Bucks, a 50-point game from Giannis to talk about, uh, a win at Indiana to bounce back after that Rutgers loss on Saturday where Jonathan Davis goes for 30. We have a lot to talk about today. And I don't know at the beginning of the week if I expected that. So I am happy. I am happy as can be. Join me. Give me a call or a text. 608-796-2558. And reach out on Twitter as well. At Wisco Grant. You can follow and tweet me there during the show. David is calling in. David, it's been a couple of days. What's new? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Grant? I am swell. Like I said, I didn't expect to be able to have fun conversations about the Bucks and Badgers this week. So I'm I'm thrilled. So are we talking about Bucky's game yesterday at Indiana? Are we talking about, uh, you mean the Badgers at Indiana, or do you mean the Bucks playing the Indiana Pacers? Because we could do either. We're, I want to talk about both. Okay, well, look, Bucky Badger was just, oh. it was a fascinating last five minutes. Yeah. I think that Wisconsin is in better physical shape than Indiana. I think Indiana looked really tired and lost at the end of the game and for them not to get the ball into their guy who had been destroying us all game was almost criminal yeah people forget johnny davis had 30 but so did tracy jackson davis i'm looking at the game log here at one point indiana was up 66 61 with 352 remaining and they're at home and their big man is eating that's a game that indiana let get away i understand that the badgers were great and jonathan davis was great down the stretch but Indiana's got to be kicking themselves. I agree with you. Yeah, it was both. It was definitely both. Yep. And 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 fun and really a fun lot. I mean, for him to score, what did he score? The last thirteen or something? Something like that. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think thirteen. I think you're right. So, what do you think about the waving bye bye at the end? What do you say? Um. Well, it's funny. I. I, I would assume, I haven't seen, I assume they're Badgers fans who said that that's not classy or whatever. It's a wave. It's fun. You know the student section has given it to him all game. He can give it back after the game. It's the same. I'm sure when Aaron Rodgers yelled, I own you to Bears fans, I'm sure they were yelling things down at him too. That's, that's sports. It's not that bad. It's not like he's flipping them off. By the way, what you just said is exactly what Decker wrote in a tweet. Really? When people talk about being classy and all that oh, stuff. He said yeah, yeah. they've been giving him crap all game. Yep, and, and I'm sure so... and I'm sure Johnny Davis accepts that. That's part of the game. I don't think anybody's unhappy with this. I think us on the outside, we can get outraged, but I don't think the fans are offended, and I don't think Jonathan Davis is offended. As long as they're not, like, yelling nasty things and slurs, they can get on his case and yell at him all game, but then if he has a great game, he can give it back with the wave. It's pretty harmless. Okay, so I have one other tiny rant. Go ahead. That is directed at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and you. Okay, let's go. Well, they wrote yesterday about the quarterback situation for the Packers. Mm-hmm. And they wrote all about how, you know, the backup quarterback has problems with accuracy. Mm-hmm. But they also did a complete review of Aaron Rodgers. And at the end, they give a grade and they gave him an A minus. They gave Aaron Rodgers an A minus? Was it the whole season in review type of thing? Yeah, yeah, they gave Aaron Rodgers an A- minus for the season. Now, I just got to say, okay, <laughs> don't give him an A++, and I understand that they lost that game, which was entirely his fault, according to, uh, to me. one sport post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, 
I still grieve over that game. Mm-hmm. But you got to recognize people are talking about him being valued as, you know, getting four first-round picks. Everybody wants him. And for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, for the year he had, for the MVP of the NFL, mm-hmm. it gave him an A-. minus. Uh, same for you, Grant. He <laughs> deserves an A for the season, despite the last game. Which, by the way, this is two years in a row when they lost that game. No David Bakhtiari, injured, big running back. Yeah. Those things matter. I know. I Okay. Dave, and first of all, I hear where you're coming from. Maybe I've been a little bit too critical of Aaron Rodgers. I, I get it. If they would have lost 24 to 27 even, and that's not like a gaudy high score. That's a, that's an average score. I think that's about what the regular season game was. Okay. I, I had someone who tweeted me the other day that, that the Packers got unlucky. No, 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 no. The Bills got unlucky. The Bills lost the coin toss, right? The, the Bills got unlucky. They played really well, got unlucky. The ba- the Packers, they just didn't play very good. So I, I, I don't That's know. Right. I get where you're and coming you, from. You, I get where you you're coming from. You could, point to, you could point to at least five plays, including three opportunities to pick off Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and certainly including the block punt, and certainly including the missed field goal. There's a lot, lots of things to point to, too many things to point to. And I get it. Quarterbacks get too much credit when things go well and too much blame when things go badly. Yeah. But, you know, again, an A- minus for the year he had <laughs> for an MVP year. What do you got to do to get an A? Uh, I mean, make the NFC Championship round, I guess, at least. That's probably what it came down to, although it's – a regular season review. If they're written at this time of the year, it's it's hard to not think about the playoffs. David, before I let you go, isn't it nuts that we're thinking about another playoff game in the context of, well, there's any number of plays. You can think of four or five, this play and that play. I feel like we've been doing this now for 10 years in a row. It just, it's deja vu all over again, isn't it? Oh, that's the pain. There's uh, no question that what happened that day in Seattle will be forever with us a game that we absolutely had in the bag, a game that you could point to. Again, five simple decisions, simple plays. We're up 16 to nothing. They're kicking a field goal, and they get a fake field goal for a touchdown. Come on. You know, all you got to do is let them kick the damn three-pointer. That's all it is. You're up 16 to nothing. Micah Hyde. No, not Micah Hyde. Sorry. Uh, Hot. Clinton Mor- Dick. Morgan Burnett and Clinton the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He intercepts the ball, and he's going back, and, and he might be able to score a touchdown. People are telling him to just get down. Uh... You know, don't fumble. And let's not even talk about the onside kick <laughs> and that fiasco. Yeah. You know, I talked to you a year ago. I talked to you a year ago mm-hmm. about not understanding how the salary cap was impacted by the fact that we didn't have a decent special teams coach. Yeah. And, you know, well, now now they're giving it up. Okay. But that was, uh, for all the good things that Gutekunst has done, that failure, that it was awful. And then now they're paying for it. Yeah. Now they're paying, you know, twice what you would expect to pay a special teams coach. Daylight so, and a dollar short, in my opinion. Glad they have them, but yeah, too little too late, unfortunately. It, no, exactly. And, you know... Look, <laughs> it's a killer. And last night was really fun because after the loss to Rutgers, 
mm-hmm. and after still feeling the Packer blues, last night was just a blast. It was a treat. Staying up later than I wanted to. Well, I watched the end of the Badger game in bed on my phone. It was great. I love doing that. I love taking my laptop into bed and just going to sleep watching my team win. It's it's great. We brought it back to last night, David. I'm going to talk a little bit more about hoops, but we're going to talk more about quarterbacks in the NFL coming up before too long. So I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thanks for the time, Grant. Bye. Of course. That's David, 608-796-2558. As David was speaking, I had a tweet that came up on my computer here. It says, Giannis took the scoring lead uh, last night after dropping 50 points. So he's now the leading scorer in the NBA off average. He says he's now averaging career highs in points and assists. He's averaging 29, 11, and 6 with 2.3 blocks per game as a defensive player of the year candidate. We need to pay more attention to the champ's greatness. That's Matt Moore who tweeted that. It's bizarre. Giannis dropped 50 last night. And to be honest, we're reaching this point with Johnny Davis too, where he has a great game on the road, team pulls out an awesome win, and we wake up the next day and we're like, yeah. It's just kind of the story of the season. We've become used to it. And we get used to it, but but keep appreciating it. Right? We need to go out of our way to mention, wow, Giannis was great last night. This, that, the other thing. Uh, Downtown Billy says, oh, please, you know in your heart the division around losses on Rodgers. Please don't pander to David. <laughs> well, yeah, David knows how I feel. He listens every day. Yeah, it's on Rodgers. He needed to play better. Um David, David's not looking to be spiteful towards Aaron Rodgers, maybe like I am. He's, he's much more balanced, full of perspective. Thank you, Downtown Billy, for the text. You can give me a call or text like David has done, like Billy has done, 608-796-2558. I also see we have a text from Schmidt on the north side. I tweeted at Schmidt, well, not at him, but I, I referenced him on Twitter this morning. You can find me at Wisco Grant because the south side of lacrosse this morning, you could just feel it in the air. There was an extra pep in the step. I was up at 545. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't wait to walk out of my house and feel the vibes on the south side of lacrosse, knowing that Johnny Davis and his NBA stock back on an upward trajectory. And you can just feel it was buzzing uh, in central nation, central country on the south side of lacrosse. And Schmidt on the north side, he must be ticked. Schmidt must be a Logan guy on the north side, lower north side, the depot neighborhood. So you're a ranger guy. Must, Must grind his gears. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. 608-796-2558. I just can't get over how we're three weeks removed from a Packers loss. Super Bowl just happened. Pitchers and catchers should be reporting. So we can't talk about the Packers. We can't talk about baseball. The NFL season is now done. We can't get to the draft yet. And in the midst of it all, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's an MVP candidate, and he's just a treat to watch every night. And then for the Badgers, we have Jonathan Davis. How lucky are we? How lucky am I that I have these two guys to talk about this week and we can go back and forth and discuss? I mean, if you went into a lab and you had this big clipboard with all these traits and you could customize your own basketball player, if I went into a lab with a bunch of scientists and started designing the perfect basketball player to lead the Milwaukee Bucks, I would design Giannis because as much as I love a point guard or a shooting guard, Bigs still contribute to winning, I think, more than any other position in basketball. Look at what Embiid is doing or what Jokic did last year. Or Anthony Davis, the one year he was healthy and good when they won in the bubble, right? Or or Giannis, I I want a big. They're more versatile defensively. They can impact the game more defensively. And on offense, they're just a problem. They need to be accounted for. I would create Giannis, but then I wouldn't stop there. I would say, okay, well, I want someone who's humble and down-to-earth and someone who's going to be willing and loyal to stay in Milwaukee. Check those boxes. I want someone 
who plays the game always trying to get better. I don't want Ben Simmons, who's afraid to shoot because he's afraid people are going to make fun of him, or he's afraid to go to the free throw line because he's afraid to miss. I want someone the opposite of that. I want someone who's going to work on their weaknesses and not be afraid to work out on the court and, and work through the kinks. Giannis does that. He checks all of the boxes, every single one. And his work ethic is unreal. He gets better every season, just a little bit here and there. It's not that in his third year, he took a big jump and then he plateaued. No, he's gotten better every single year incrementally. That's what you want to do. That's what you want your star player to do. And that's how you want him to be. Really quickly, let's chat with Eric on I-90. Eric, what's up? Welcome. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm in a great mood today. Can't you tell? Yeah, I can. So I watched the Bucks game last night, mm-hmm. and it's uh, of course, you know, I'm kind of fresh and the the old NBA fan again. You are. Um, I just can't believe how many different players there are. I'm watching versus last year. It's pretty incredible, actually. On the Bucks, you mean how many different players you're watching? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different players on that team. There's different players week to week. So I'm trying to grasp a hold of all that. But yeah. it was an entertaining game. Lindell Wigington had 12 points last night. Have you ever heard of him before yeah. the last couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah. A Mr. A Wigington. Yeah. yeah. We like him. We like him. I mean, we liked he, him last night. He was great. Yeah, he was hitting shots. Serge Ibaka's on this team now. Wesley Matthews is just back. I keep forgetting about that. It's like, oh, yeah, they have Wesley Matthews and Greg Monroe, who's going to come back on another 10 days. So they got the moose back as well. But you're not wrong. They've rotated guys through this year, and I think – a couple months ago, that was due to COVID, but now they're kind of keeping their, their final few roster spots in flux. I know they just brought in DeAndre Bembry, but they're waiting to see who gets bought out, who's going to be available, and they're really protecting that flexibility at the bottom of the roster. So we're probably going to get more new names before now in the end of the season. You know, and I've been watching this thing, you know, a full season, you know, kind of more than I normally have, and it's been a little bit rough because that early part of the season is like, if I compare it to the NFL, it's like a giant preseason. Right? Oh, yep. Yep. It's, the games don't really matter much. It's, is that kind of the feeling? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, you're right. So some of the games matter. They're not all great. They're not all first-round picks. Not every game is going to be. But I think at this point in the season, Eric, now we're seeing different teams with different paths. Like some teams, especially after the All-Star break, they're going to go straight tank. They're going to try to lose as many games as possible. And then you have playoff teams that are gunning for positioning, but they're also trying to stay healthy and get ready for the playoffs. So it it can be kind of messy, especially when we get towards the end of the season because all these teams are playing for different reasons and they're playing for different things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's getting better now. Though I, I do, I do think the games are getting better, and um, no, it was it was a lot of fun to watch, and uh, can't wait for the next game. Yeah, I had one other thing to add. Yeah, hit me. All right, because I'm going to stay on topic with your show. You've got callers calling in. Some guy ripped the bandaid off that Seattle game, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. He opened up that wound, so I'm not bringing it up. But. He did. I'm going to prove your point for you, okay? If you are a team that is up 16 to nothing in an NFC championship game, I want you to, I want Dave, the guy who called, to go back and look at the drives. Mm-hmm. If you are a GOAT quarterback and you are up 16 to 7 at halftime, you should put something together to win that game. Yes. Yes. 
And I think that that is, to your point, to your point, Grant, mm-hmm. that is a continually same song. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes, it's either in, in, in all of these playoff losses, they either get out to a lead and then they can't put it away, or they start slow and they can't make up for it. That's been the last 10 years. Yeah, a- absolutely, Eric. See, we're, I love how we're talking Bucks and Badgers, but then we're also just throwing in comments about an NFC Championship game that was now eight years ago. I really, like, I think this is really I, funny. I, I, I'm trying to stay on topic. I'm no, just, you know, it's like a little bit of a courtroom, right? Yeah. We got funny. Aaron Rodgers on trial. You know? Yeah. Right? A little bit? A little bit. No, he's going to be on trial all offseason for how much we're going to have to talk to him. Eric, i got to take a break, but I appreciate you calling him, man. Yeah, thanks, bud. Yeah, have a good night. That's Eric on I-90. It's like, hey, here's my Badger take, here's my Bucks take. Also about 2014, because why not? Let's take a break. i got a baseball take for you, and then we're going to get to Slow News Wednesday. I want to talk about Matthew Stafford a little bit. That's coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show, my name is Grant Bills. Going to do a couple minutes on baseball here. I want to read this tweet before we talk about the lockout. Schmidt on the north side actually texted in a picture of this tweet. It's made me laugh out loud. So, Odabam fan account. It's an Omar Narvaez at bat and mound visit tracker. It's just a really good Brewers account. You should follow it. This is the tweet. <laughs> Today would have been the first official Brett Anderson injury. This lockout is destroying our very culture. <laughs> it's true. I don't know how, but somewhere in the reporting process of pitchers and catchers reporting, you know that Brett Anderson's getting a thumb bruise or back tightness at the very least. That's probably the baseline. And then the other injuries would follow in the coming days. That's that's the tweet of the day. Uh, own a BAM fan. Find, find that account on Twitter and follow. I re, I just retweeted it at Wisco Grant, so you can find it there. That's, that's, that's good Twitter. It's good internet. I want to talk baseball for just a couple minutes. Not too much. I get it's kind of depressing, but just a little as a treat. Baseball owners suck. And Rob Manfred, who speaks for the owners, he sucks too. I'm not saying that he doesn't suck. I'm not saying that the owners don't suck. Listen to this Q&A about the profitability of owning an MLB team. Get a a kick out of this. Would you say that owning a baseball team is a good investment? You know, it's interesting. Um, We actually uh, hired an investment banker, um, a really good one, actually, um, to look at that very issue. If you look at the purchase price of franchises, the cash that's put in um, um, during the period of ownership and then what they've sold for. Historically, the return on those investments is below what you'd get in the stock market, which you'd expect to get in the stock market with a lot more risk. Oh, um, well, there's a lot to unpack there. So Rob Manfred is referring to the purchase price versus the sale price. So if I buy a team for X number of dollars, I can sell it for X number of dollars. Um, Which, by the way, I was looking into the research today. I'm not a finances guy, but I was reading a lot of people who actually hashed this out. Uh, The sale price or the flip price of an MLB franchise is on average about 200% stronger uh, than investment in the S&P 500. So, So that's cap. And it doesn't even account for cash flow, from concessions, jerseys, parking, memorabilia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but they have to pay for the players. Sorry you get Christian Yelich to make you money. Sorry you have to pay some of his deal. Sorry. So the owners suck. Manfred sucks. 
The Players Association is led by a bunch of children, and they suck too. Everyone sucks here. Big suck. I'm about to say something that makes it sound like I'm defending the involved parties, ownership, and the Players Association. I am not. I'm just trying to be comprehensive here. I'm trying to attack this from all angles. Yesterday, David Gasper was on from reviewing the brew. He made this excellent point, and it's a point that we need to consider. The players are fighting for... They're fighting to try to get a lot back that they have lost in recent years. I mean, the, the previous few CBAs have been really bad for the players. And they're trying to gain it all back or gain as much of it back as they can in one fell swoop. Oh, and God. I don't think they have realized yet that they're just not going to be able to. You're going to have to take some gains. You're, you're going to have to realize that you're not going to be able to get some of them back, at least right now. You can fight for some stuff to start. Um, and kind of get yourself a good baseline, get, get yourself some ground, but you're not going to get it all back, not not in the CBA. The owners just simply will not give all that up right away. Even if you lose a few games, even if you lose a week or two uh, or a month of regular season games, the owners aren't going to give up that much ground that quickly that they have gained over the past 10, 15 years. So this is an excellent line, right? Players have been waxed. A couple of times in recent history in the past few CBAs. So every couple of years, they've been getting waxed. Which, by the way, is union leadership's fault, not the owners. It's like if you're in charge of negotiating for a union, don't get boned on a deal. And if you do, that means you did a bad job. It's not that the owners screwed you. It's that they took advantage of your terrible negotiating. So if players are upset that they've been bent over by the owners, well, then get someone else to negotiate your deals. Like, what do you... Okay. Like, if, if I have someone do my taxes and I keep getting audited, and I get in trouble with the government and the IRS. It's not the IRS's fault. The dude who does my taxes is a moron, and I should replace him, right? I don't know why this is so hard, and it's the same in the NFL with Demora Smith. Well, the owners are always, they're always, you know, jobbing us. No, your, your union leadership is. They're doing a poor job, right? The players can't make up all the ground from all of these bad CBAs in one fell swoop. And I mentioned this yesterday on the show, but I went and cut the audio. It reminded me of this line from Seinfeld. Elaine, breaking up is like knocking over a Coke machine. You can't do it in one push. You got to rock it back and forth a few times, and then it goes over. That's beautiful. What about you? You were even engaged, and you cut it off just like that. That's different. I had no feelings for those people. But you, you'll backslide. So the rest of the scene, not applicable. But the line about rocking a Coke machine back and forth, you can't make up all the ground you've lost over the years on CBAs. And that is the problem. The players who are playing now want to reap the benefits of a new CBA that makes up for all of the shortcomings of the last decade or two. That's not going to happen. So you are supposed to tell players right now that they need to take a lesser deal, in their opinion, a lesser deal, to make progress to help players that won't be in the league for another 15 or 20 years. Well, that's where the issue is. Players want to look out for the here and now because they're not going to play forever. The owners will be there forever because despite what Rob Manfred says, owning a major league baseball team is a pretty solid investment. That's why no one ever sells teams. You notice that? There's not a lot of turnover in ownership in baseball. It's the same families have been doing it since 1880. <laughs> so the players are looking out for the here and now when in the big picture, a step in the right direction for the players is aiming 10, 15 years down the road to be in a better place. And that's hard to sell someone who's only going to be in the league for a couple of more years. And they're trying to make the money and get all the benefits right now. Let's take a break. I want to talk about the NFL for Slow News Wednesday. That's coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an excellent day. Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley broke up. I feel like we really dropped the ball to have some enthralling relationship conversation tonight. And I, I dropped the ball there. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Maybe. We'll get, we'll get there. It's like the sign. If you drive through rural Wisconsin, we've all seen the pole shed or the barn that has the sign on the side that says free beer tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. You've seen one before. Yeah, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley tomorrow. Uh, and I'll say the same thing tomorrow, which, by the way, Ben Kenny's filling in for me on Friday. Uh, I have a wedding in Madison, funny enough. So I'll be in Ben Kenny's neck of the woods. We'll do relationship stuff tomorrow or the day after or uh, never. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can follow me there and interact with me during the show or anytime. Find me on Twitter. Um, Today I woke up and I... I, I, just, I did some serious thinking. I started to think about my favorite sports shows and why I like my favorite sports shows. And I started to realize that my favorite shows, I could look ahead every week and know that on Tuesday, they're having this segment. Or on Thursday, they're doing this segment. Like, specific time and place every week. You know, book it. And other than the NBA Lounge, we really don't do that on this show. No, we used to. We used to do a segment all, on uh, Wednesdays called Slow News Wednesday. And I don't remember when it died. I don't remember why. Well, it was me. I, I don't, I'm making this a we thing. This is, this is totally my, I just got lazy, stopped doing it. I don't know. Where I'd find an article or a podcast or video, bring it to the table here, and we talk about it. And I think starting today, especially now the football's done, we should bring it back. We should do it. So what I'm going to do every week, I like reading newspapers. So throughout the week, I'm going to highlight things, and then I'm going to pick an article or something, and then bring it in on Wednesday, and we can talk about it. Now, in order to dress it up a little bit, raise the production value because I think half of the reason people like the NBA lounge is just because there's jazz music in the background which is which is fine whatever it takes uh I made a little intro today for slow news Wednesday but I didn't have someone to voice it because the guy in our building his name is Ken who I thought he's got the perfect voice he was gone he was out at lunch and I I don't want to wait so when we had Zach Heilprin back on at 4 30 I said Zach can you cut me a line here and I asked him to say this is slow news Wednesday this is his first attempt this one this part just makes me laugh like this is slow news Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. That's what that's what Grant said. So he said it again. I put it in the intro, uh, and this is back. This is back. Slow News Wednesday is back. Here is uh, here's how it's going to sound. I love this. This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. You know they say radio's theater of the mind. That's as good as it gets. Like I'm, not, I'm not one to pat myself on the back. Well, I am. That's that's as good as it gets. And thank you, Zach, for lending us your official reporter voice. For the Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Let's get into it. I was reading the Trib this morning. That's the Lacrosse Tribune. That's what we say in. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is, that, is that too jargony already? Am I being annoying already? So the star of our show today, columnist Mark Bradley. He's a columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I don't know. I'm a little ignorant here. I don't know how his column ended up in the Lacrosse Tribune. I ended, they're, they're owned by different companies. So I don't know. Maybe just syndicated. Sells his column. Maybe they needed something. So they stuck it in there. I, I don't know. But I really like the way that this is written. And I wanted to talk about Stafford today. And I wanted to do a little Hall of Fame thing. And that's what he's writing about here. So I like it. The title of his column, Does Win Make Stafford Great? It's under the subheading of NFL commentary. So Mark Bradley, the star of our show, this is as cookie cutter as you can get. 
quarterback wins the Super Bowl for the first time, and now we're questioning if he's a Hall of Famer. It's, it's an old trick. It's one of the oldest tricks in the book. But I love this column, but he, he calls himself out for using one of the oldest tricks in the book. This is how he starts. In what, uh, if what follows sounds like a scolding, be advised because I'm also scolding myself. Because I do it too. In unguarded moments, I resort to the ESPN-fueled shorthand of judging quarterbacks by Super Bowl wins, in air quotes. Okay, so we're doing the quarterback wins discussion today. I like this from Mark Bradley. Now, he continues and he compares all of the quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl. And I think in the last 10 years, or a little bit more than 10 years, we think of Breeze, Rodgers, Wilson. And Stafford fits in there somewhere. I don't think Stafford, at least right now, won't be remembered like Rodgers, certainly. Probably, maybe not even Russell Wilson. Probably not Drew Brees. Drew Brees is playing this perfectly. Goes into broadcasting, gets the hairpiece, plays politics. We're going to remember him as way better than he was, just because of how he's handling this, and that's smart. But then there's some other quarterbacks that have won Super Bowl as well. You have Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer. So you have so many quarterbacks who have never won a Super Bowl, but you also have so many that have won one. A lot of quarterbacks have won Super Bowl. So my question, and this is what this column got me thinking about, do we value that one Super Bowl too much? Or has it gotten to the point where we don't value it enough? I think it's a little of both. I think we overplay the value of having one Super Bowl. But because of Tom Brady, I also don't know if we cherish that one Super Bowl enough because we're always pissed that Rodgers doesn't have more. Or we're always talking about how Breeze never got back. But then again... Breeze is on a level playing field with Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer, as is Aaron Rodgers. So is this Super Bowl less or more important than we make it out to be? I, I think it's both. I think it's both at the same time, which is something that this column got me thinking about. I mean, think of it this way. Matt Ryan could easily have won Super Bowl. In fact, he probably should. They were up 28-3. to three. Probably should have won Super Bowl. He does not. Matt Stafford easily could have lost. His team easily could have lost on Sunday. Hell, Aaron Rodgers could have lost to Caleb Haney in 2010. If not for that B.J. Raji pick six, we'll never know. Breeze could have lost to Favre. Russell Wilson could easily have two Super Bowls if they just complete that pass over the middle to... Who are they throwing to on the goal line? I don't even remember. Do you see? My, my, my point is one Super Bowl shouldn't completely and fully transform our opinion of any one quarterback. Matt Ryan doesn't have a ring, but he easily could. Stafford now has a ring, but he easily could not have had that ring. Rodgers could have easily lost in the NFC Championship game in 2010. Breeze could have lost to Favre. Russell Wilson could have two. God, that would have broke our brains. It would have broke my brain. It's just an interesting line of thought. Mark Bradley, the star of our show today, continues. If not for Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, Stafford wouldn't have, quote, won anything Sunday. The quote marks around win and won should give us, again, I'm including myself, pause. But it's so convenient to speak in terms of quarterback wins that we fail to grasp the obvious. We become so dialed in this week. Well, now that Matt Stafford has the Super Bowl, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Got to be a Hall of Famer. Got the stats. Now he's got the ring. Easy. You know, wring our hands of it. We're done. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Now, the rest of this piece, as he continues, he starts to compare Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. And it's a little stat heavy. Fact that well, Burroughs' passer rating was better on Sunday, and he had more yards, and he had more this and that. He had two fewer interceptions. I, I don't know. We can get a little bit too much into the stats. Joe Burrow was far from great. This Super Bowl was brilliant in that it truly boiled down to one play or one drive. I know the Rams were trailing, but for the entire second half, that game was begging one of those quarterbacks to make a play. 
It was begging Joe Burrow to drive down and put the final nail in the coffin and win it, seal it. Or that game was begging for Matt Stafford to drive down and get the game winner. Very cut and dry. The Super Bowl is convenient in, in, in comparison of quarterbacks for that reason. Now Stafford goes down and gets the game winner. Joe Burrow had a chance to answer. Obviously, the Bengals did not. There's an excerpt here towards the end of the column that I want to read you. Talking about stats. Stafford was slightly the lesser quarterback. Joe Burrow's passer rating was this. Stafford was this. Burrow threw no picks. Stafford threw two. Burrow had the better completion percentage, average more yards, blah, 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 blah. We're going nuts with this. I saw a segment on Good Morning Football this morning. Should Joe Burrow now be thought of as the best quarterback in the AFC? Why, why, why are we doing this? It's such a fun Super Bowl. And we get nuts. And now I have to tear down Joe Burrow because everyone else is building him up to this ridiculous level. Same with Matthew Stafford. This is a nice clincher to the column. I want to read this to you because I think this hammers home the point. There are those who hold a quarterback, or there are those who hold that a quarterback can't be deemed great without a ring. If that's true, and I contend it's not, Stafford is now a great quarterback. By that logic, he'd been rendered not. Great had uh, Burrow's final pass, gone for a touchdown. At a time when advanced analytics have taught us to look beyond a pitcher's wins, we haven't managed to do the same with quarterbacks. We should at least try, don't you think? I agree. This is a fun column. This is a cool column. Name again, Mark, Matt, Matt Bradley, Mark Bradley. Jeez, I wrote the wrong thing. Oh, I was looking at Matt Stafford. Mark Bradley, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This pertains to the Hall of Fame discussion a little bit. I hate the idea that a player is irrelevant for a decade, albeit in Detroit, wins one Super Bowl elsewhere, and now he's a Hall of Famer. Joe Burrow was drafted into a very similar situation as Detroit. Joe Burrow took his team to a Super Bowl. Matt Stafford never won a playoff game. And I'm not tearing down Matt Stafford, and I don't want to build up Joe Burrow to this insane level because he's only had one full year as a starter, right? We need to get smarter about how we talk about the NFL Hall of Fame. Excuse me, getting passionate here. It can't just be a bunch of Aaron Donalds and then quarterbacks. The bar for defensive players can't be best defensive player of a decade, and then quarterbacks are like, okay, but you all get in because your stats are nuts. Well, Matthew Stafford's got the stats. Yes, so does Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, unlike Matt Stafford, has an MVP and a first-team All-Pro selection. Matt Stafford really doesn't. The difference between Stafford's Super Bowl and Matt Ryan's not Super Bowl is razor thin. And we need to remember that. Again, I think we undervalue quarterbacks that have one Super Bowl because we're always complaining they don't have more. And that's because of Tom Brady. And I also think we overvalue the quarterbacks that have one Super Bowl. Is Matt Stafford that much better than Matt Ryan? No. But there's a separation of a, a Super Bowl ring between them. Right? What about who's another good quarterback in the league that hasn't won a Super Bowl ring? I don't know. Russell Wilson could easily have two. Aaron Rodgers could easily have none. So in our mind, we we land this big line of demarcation between quarterbacks that do and do not have a Super Bowl when really the difference is marginal. And yet the quarterbacks that do get a Super Bowl, we manage to kill them for not getting more. We need to get smarter about the way we evaluate quarterbacks because this is going to continue to be a debate moving forward. Because the league is becoming more and more friendly to quarterbacks. They play for longer. They stay healthier. They put up more numbers because of the rules that protect them, because of the offensive schemes, because of the way the league is officiated and coached. For all of these different reasons, we're going to have a lot of Matthew Staffords over the next 20 years. And we have to get smarter about how we handle the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Fame selection is, is rather simple. The NBA, it's too easy to get in. Major League Baseball is insane and weird and dumb. The NFL is in this sweet spot in the middle. Here are my criteria. I think it's very basic. This doesn't need to be that hard. Do you have good stats? That's one leg. Have you won any regular season awards? We're talking Pro Bowls, All Pros, MVPs. MVPs obviously carry a lot of weight. 
you have any Super Bowls? And I think the most important component to any Hall of Fame resume has to be comparison to peers. And this is where Matt Stafford loses me. This is where Breeze loses me, although he'll get in. This is where Russell Wilson loses me. When people make a big case about how, you know, Breeze never got MVP votes, so Russell Wilson never got MVP votes. Well, yeah, were they supposed to get him over Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? No. And that matters. Russell Wilson is very good, but you could never argue that he's the best at his position or one of the best at his position. Same with Stafford. Same with Breeze. And that's the hang-up for me. Yeah, Matt Stafford's got the stats. He's got the Super Bowl. He doesn't have the regular season awards. And he played at a time where Rodgers was better than him, Brady, Peyton Manning for a stretch was better than him. And I don't think that's just luck. I don't think that's luck that Matthew Stafford was just birthed into an era with a bunch of great quarterbacks. I just don't think he's as good as any of those guys. And I have a real hard time putting Stafford in when he was, what, sixth, seventh, eighth best quarterback in football, maybe, For most of his career. That's tough. And a Super Bowl is a great accomplishment and something to be celebrated, but it's not something that we can let completely change the way we think about a player. Because as I said, the line between a Super Bowl and a not Super Bowl, especially for some of these quarterbacks, is razor, razor thin. And yet we treat it like it's a vast canyon of difference. And it's not. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about this and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. I'm pulling up the NBA schedule for tonight. Is it any good? Let's see. We should have two ESPN games. Which ones are on TV? Ooh, Kings Bulls. That's fun. Okay, so Nets Knicks. 630. That sucks. What's the late game? What do we got on at nine? Jazz Lakers. Why are the Jazz always on prime time? God, it tilts me. Nuggets Warriors is on at nine. Move that game to ESPN. Jazz Lakers at nine. I don't I don't even mind watching the Lakers because I like watching them be bad, but don't make me watch the Jazz. Ugh. Ugh. We have a text here. We're talking a little bit about Hall of Fame and Matthew Stafford. Let's not dwell on NBA. Uh, here is a text from, um, oh, well, he didn't give a name. Too much luck goes into winning the tournament every year. Tom isn't the greatest of all time. He's just more lucky than Lou Gehrig. I'm 42. So many great teams I've witnessed fall short and now are an afterthought. You're right. And I. this is something that I've talked about with Packers fans for the last couple of weeks now. Because I, I do agree that it takes a lot of luck to win a Super Bowl. If your team is good for one year and comes up short, like the 2017 Vikings, yeah, the team ran into a buzzsaw. Case Keenum played poorly at the wrong time. Okay, wasn't their year. But for the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, who have, if not the best team in the NFC, seemingly close to it, every year for 11 straight years, don't tell me that we got unlucky 11 straight years. I don't accept that. I won't accept that. In a one-year sample? Sure, sure. I don't know. What's one year they got unlucky? I don't know. Maybe 2015 in Arizona. Maybe. Jordy got hurt that year. Maybe. Maybe the Kaepernick year where they just ran into a buzzsaw. Maybe that it just wasn't their year. But I will not accept as a Packers fan. And Packers fans, I don't think you should either. Don't let people tell you that it's all luck that wins the Super Bowl. Because I don't accept that. 11 straight years, I refuse to believe that the Packers got unlucky 
every single year. This is text from GWP Dad, big German wire hair pointer guy over here. says, how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks have not won Super Bowls? I don't know. Maybe that's something that we should dig up for tomorrow. I is it weird to is it weird to say that winning one Super Bowl to me like doesn't I, I don't know that that doesn't bolster a Hall of Fame case massively. It's nice. I, I weirdly focus more on All Pros, more on MVPs. Matthew Stafford's a unique case because he was in Detroit for so long, but Joe Burrow gets to Cincinnati, takes him to the playoffs, and takes him to the Super Bowl in his first full year as a starter. So don't tell me that a quarterback is completely and totally incapable of overcoming a bad situation, even here and there. Now, Joe Burrow's not going to do it every year, unless the Bengals make wholesale changes and start spending money and employ more than half a dozen scouts. But I I don't know. The idea that Matthew Stafford was incapable of ever having any success in Detroit, it's it's, it's something I don't buy into. It's not. He had some decent teams in Detroit. He didn't have terrible coaches every year. And again, I know the stats are there. Fourth quarter comebacks. Well, you're losing every game. Why? Well, one, Detroit isn't good, but Matthew Stafford loves throwing picks. He likes turning the ball over. And maybe that's because he knew he was playing for a bad team and he had to force the ball. But turning the ball over when you're already on a bad team is not a great strategy for winning and, and stopping becoming a bad team. Also, Detroit never had a running game. Ever. And I want to look this up. The show's almost over. But Detroit had a streak of a ridiculous amount of games where they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. They never had good running backs. They never had good offensive scheme to run the ball. So Matthew Stafford was throwing it constantly. Of course he's going to have the yards. And in this era that we play in, of course these quarterbacks are going to throw up stats. It's how the game is designed. It's how the league is designed. Which is why I'm saying, hey, as time moves forward, there's going to be a lot of Matthew Stafford's. Come into the league. They don't have a lot of postseason success. They don't win a whole lot, but they put up stats because that's how the game is designed. So at the end of their career, we look back. Well, man, he's top 10 in passing yards. He's top 10 in touchdowns. Of course he is because everybody that comes into the league and is any good now is going to end up on the leaderboard somewhere for so many of these stats. Mahomes and Josh Allen, all of these guys are. Does that mean they're better than Montana or Marino or Favre? Probably a little bit because I think athletes improve as time moves along. That's how our world works. That's how evolution works. But are they that much better? No, the game has changed. They're going to play longer because the rules protect them and coaches are hired to help them and scheme is designed to help them. Yeah, I get Matthew Stafford has a lot of good stats. Has he ever been in the conversation even for the best quarterback in the league? No, he wasn't even this year. He's on a really good team. Has he ever been top five? Is there a year where we can look back and say, wow, you know what? Matthew Stafford is top five quarterback. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe close, but close to being a top five quarterback in the league once upon a time is not material that vaults you into the Hall of Fame. And the level of difficulty, the barrier to entry for defensive players and players that aren't quarterbacks is so large. I mean, look how long it took Leroy Butler to get in. So I just, I I don't know. I don't want the Hall of Fame to become what the MVP race has become. It's like, it's all quarterbacks, but we'll throw these other guys a bone with consideration at the very least. No, no. Pro Football Hall of Fame cannot become that. I don't want it to become that. That would be a bummer. So just think about these things because stats are going to change. Production is going to change, and we're going to have a lot of quarterbacks where everyone's thinking, uh, does that person belong to be in? No. No, they don't. And we need to have a critical eye to pick these things out. What do you want to talk about tomorrow? I don't have anything planned for tomorrow's show. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about how this Hall of Fame thing is going to work because I'm interested. Maybe we can look at some of the quarterbacks that are in quarterbacks that are in consideration, how many Super Bowls they've won. I don't know. 
might be kind of a fun project to go through. We'll do that tomorrow. NBA Lounge will start the show at 4, so come ready. Wisco Sports Show back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Talk to you then.